Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. This episode sponsored by Any Lab Test Now. I'll tell you more about them in just a few minutes. Joining me in co-host Stephen Kerr is the host of the Scott Holman podcast, Dustin Rensick. If you're a Houston Cougar fan, you should be listening to Dustin and his co-host Sam Raz on the Scott Holman podcast all the time. And we're going to try to bring a little positivity to the earth in this one. So hang with us. Uh, I, I know it's been a rough last few days, but hopefully we can uh, we can bring a little bit of positivity to what's been a rough sports week. Great to have you back with us, Dustin. We're recording out what should be Selection Sunday. How are your tourney withdrawal pains? Oh, man, it hurts. It's just just not. I mean, as a college basketball fan, it's always been my favorite sport. So the kind of, four, you know, four to five weeks of March Madness are the four to five weeks that I really look forward to the rest of the year. So uh, as much as I understand that the right decision is being made, it, uh, I'm definitely having withdrawals just every every day. I just get home from work. And I'm like, All right. Just want to load up what games are on. Oh, nope, there aren't any games on still. And then about six o'clock, I'm like, oh, man, there's got to be some evening. Nope. No evening games coming up. Just <laughs> just yeah. no, it's rough, but uh, I'm, I'm trying. Apparently, there are other things on television that aren't sports I'm learning, so I, I'm, I'm ch- ch- checking some of those things out. Yeah, I'm doing the Netflix binge-watching thing now just because, you know, what else is there to do, right? Yeah, I never watched The Wire, so I'm finally uh, giving The Wire a chance. It seems pretty good so far. Well, you guys, uh, I'm going to try to give a little spin in a positive way, like I said off the top, and I'll, I'll get you started with this one. And, and not sure if it's possible, but here we go. Uh, number one. Dustin, only one senior on the Cougs basketball roster, Chris Harris. So that's good going towards next year. Number two, can't think of anybody who would consider putting their name in for the NBA draft. So we got a lot of guys coming back here. And number three, Coach Sampson has built this thing for the long haul. How does that sound? Yeah, it's uh, it's really easy to get really excited about this team uh, heading into the next season. The, the the Cougars are one over the scholarship limit as it stands, so they will have to lose one other player other than Chris Harris, either due to someone you know maybe taking the Armani Brooks route of just getting a a paycheck somewhere next year, or it would be someone that maybe just wasn't getting enough minutes and would try to uh, go seek that through a transfer. So they are going to have to lose at least one other player, uh, but they bring in the number one uh, recruiting class in the conference. And as long as there have been college basketball recruiting ratings, the three guys that Houston has coming in in their class are the number three, six, and 11 highest rated players they've ever signed as a program. The Cougars are could potentially enter next year's season uh, as a top 10 team and will be a, a final four pick for a lot of people, I imagine. It's really, really easy to uh, like what Kelvin Sampson is uh, building there, and it, especially next year in particular, looks like it uh, could be a really stacked roster. Dustin, it's always interesting to speculate, especially now that uh, we're not going to know how the NCAA tournament turns out. But, I mean, what, what were your feelings about the Cougars heading into – what would have been Selection Sunday if uh, this thing hadn't happened? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a team that was was turning a corner. You know, they, they hit the skids a couple of times throughout the season, but they always seemed to bounce back after a loss and starting to find their way. But, I mean, how, how are you feeling going into Selection Sunday of not only we, we we're pretty sure the Cougars would be in the tournament, but where they would be in the tournament and how they would do once it got underway? Yeah, I was really hoping to see a strong performance from them up in uh, Fort Worth in the conference tournament because I think that could have really helped their tournament seeding. Uh, as it stood, they were kind of projected to be a seven or eight seed by most people. Um, if I think if they had, had gone on a run up there, maybe won the conference tournament, they could have gotten up into the five or six range. And uh, from there, I think it's real easy to imagine them, you know, may, maybe making a run to the second weekend of the tournament. You know, if you stay down in seven or eight, that's statistically a lot harder to get on to uh, the Sweet 16 because you got to face either a one or two seed early in the round. Um, but I think regardless of where they were seated, I think Houston would have had a chance 
chance to uh, to make a run. I think that would have scared a lot of people just uh, in the sense that they were so good at rebounding. They were so good at defense. Uh, the fact that they were a below average shooting team just didn't matter. And in the NCAA tournament, quite often you see a lot of those games where they're playing in bigger arenas than the players are used to. You know, maybe kind of the moment gets to a lot of teams and you see a lot of games that kind of, you know, get slogged down and maybe not always the, the best shooting in the NCAA tournament. And I think that kind of game is exactly what Houston wanted to do because they rebound the ball so well that uh, if neither team is shooting well, Houston's almost certainly going to come out on top. So I think that, and, you know, and when they do get some guys hot like uh, Kayla Mills or Quentin Grimes, then the, uh, you know, the, uh, the ceiling for this team is just uh, really, really high. So I think they would have had a good chance to make a run. Um, but uh, unfortunately, like, uh, like every other team, they'll, uh, they'll never get to know how that, uh, that might've played out. I'm going to give you a little speed round. So give me no more than maybe 30 second answers for the next five questions. But speaking of what you were just talking about, number one, do you think the Cougs were set up any better or worse for the tournament than they were last year with Galen, Corey Davis and Armani Brooks? Probably a little worse just because, you know, senior leadership is huge. And the Cougs had that in spades a year ago or not so much this year. Quentin Grimes, was he a McDonald's All-American that was better or worse than you expected? He was maybe a little bit less than than what we expected. He could certainly do it in bursts, and that was kind of his problem his freshman year at Kansas too, is he could really do some impressive thing in bursts, uh, but couldn't sustain that. And I don't I don't necessarily know that he took the step forward that I was hoping for this year, but he did show some good things. He was uh, one of our better defensive guards. Number three, same thing with Deke Giroux. Were you expecting more from him? Yeah, uh, the slow start to the season uh, doomed him again. Unfortunately, it was kind of the second year in a row. We thought this was the year he's going to finally be healthy and and get some momentum. And it was kind of the same thing where he uh, he could show some good things in bursts, but was also of the guards that played by far the worst at turning it over. And just that kind of inconsistency really kind of plagued his season. Number four, bigger surprise freshman this year, Caleb Mills or Marcus Sasser? I got to go with Caleb Mills, I guess. The, both of those guys, I mean, the coaches have been talking them up pretty highly and I've known to kind of take Kelvin Sampson as a word at, at this point when he talks about recruits in a, in a you know positive manner um, but I think you know they kind of were talking about uh, they compare, compared Caleb Mills to Rob Gray and they said you know but you know we got Rob as a redshirt sophomore you know this guy's gonna be a true freshman and that's kind of what he looked like in a really exciting way he looked like you know true freshman Rob Gray and that was uh, just a really exciting thing to see last one uh, which player makes the biggest jump next season uh, oh, between uh, between Mills and Sasser, or uh, actually any player, and pick you pick a Cougar. Ooh, pick a Cougar who's going to make the best, the biggest jump next season. Oh, that's tough. You know, I I got to go with Mills. I think there's just so much offensive skill there. I think he's going to continue to. Uh, I think he's going to put on a little, maybe a little more muscle. And I think if he can get, he's about like 175 now. I think the staff's goal is to get him to like 190. If he gets up to 190, he might be darn near unstoppable. What do you like most about Mills's offensive game? Uh, just the the variety of ways he can score. He can, yeah, uh, you know, if he, he he can shoot the ball. He can. He's got a ton of just different fadeaways and teardrops and different shots that have worked for him. He just he he knows how to score in so many different ways, and he's so good at uh, at finding shots that uh, that he can make. It's uh, it's just to be that advanced offensively at that young of an age is uh, is something that you don't get to see real often, especially you know in the last thirty years or so at a program like Houston. I compared him to the NBA's Lou Williams. Is that a good one? Yeah, yeah, that seems like a pretty good, uh, pretty good comp. I like that one. How do you get better offensively? Just is it is it is it talent or because or, or, the the shooting was the issue? I mean, the, the guys that are coming in, you just expect them to be shooting the ball better next year. 
Yeah, a couple of really talented scores, Tremont Mark and Jamal Shedd, are, are coming back, and and then uh, I, th- I think just an, it'll help the offense as well. The fact um, that I mean, I just expect the team to take take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, if if someone does leave for a, a paycheck, you imagine it might be you know Grimes or Jarreau. You know, Jarreau uh, having now been four years out of high school, Grimes having tested the NBA waters once already. You know, those were Houston's two top guys at turning the ball over. They also weren't necessarily the best shooters. Um, so I think those guys did do some things well, um, but uh, bringing and some new guys and I think Sasser and Mills are going to maybe be more comfortable shooters or second year in the program I think you saw some kind of the up and down inconsistency of those two guys as the season went on which you know often you see freshmen kind of kind of hitting the wall towards the end of the season um, so I, just, I expect those guys to get better and just the offense to uh, get a little bit more effective in the uh, the half court we saw that was kind of the bugaboo of this team sometimes if people would really slow them down and uh, and kind of you know make them play their half court offense they they didn't always uh, have the best decision making and find the best shots so another year of working with coach Sampson to kind of make some better decisions and guys just uh, getting a little bit better offensively I think we could see the offense rise next year the shooting seemed to me to either feast or famine I and mean, when they were on they were really on but when they hit the skids it could be five six maybe even seven minutes just without scoring or, or barely scoring was is that kind of how you looked at it yeah, I feel like more so than past years under uh, Kelvin Sampson, you know, the, the last few years where the team's been pretty good for the most part. Um, this offense tended to be four guys standing around watching one guy, um, you know, try to, you know, take on the other team offensively. And quite often that was Caleb Mills at time though, at time that was, you know, Quentin Grimes. Um, but it just, that was something that wasn't necessarily, you know, and both of those guys have the ability to take over games that way. And it can be really, and when it's working, it's really fun to watch. Like, you know, no one more than me, you know, loves watching, you know, Quentin Grimes drop, what was it 17 points in 10 minutes or whatever he did in the second half of a game late in the season or Caleb Mills just going off. Um, but when you kind of get in the habit of, uh, of doing that, if that one guy's not making the shots or is not finding shots, it can offense can look like, you know, five guys just standing around. Uh, and that that's when uh, I think Houston got in trouble. So I, I think that's going to be the number one thing going into next year is how do you find ways to get Caleb Mill the ball when he's hot without the offense just devolving into, you know, standing around watching him go. Do you think a lot of that, would you attribute a lot of that just to inexperience? Yeah, I think that's going to happen when you've got a really young team, when you're only senior as a guy that, you know, takes about two shots a game and uh, the vast majority of your offense is uh, freshmen and sophomores. I think you're going to see young guys have inconsistency with that. And a lot of guys, you know, in their first year of the program or first year of D1 basketball. So I just, you know, think obviously given the way that uh, guys have tended to progress pretty well under Kelvin Sampson, I expect to see all those guys kind of looking a little bit more like sophomores and juniors next year. If I missed something, I, I, I uh, apologize, but I, I don't think the NCAA has ruled anything about the basketball players having another year of eligibility, but in the spring sports, they will get another year of eligibility with, with all that's gone on. Tell people what that means because you follow the spring sports very heavily too over on your podcast. Yeah, that is going to be a really uh, weird situation uh, with you know sports like baseball, softball, track and field, obviously, is a huge one for U of H, where they've uh, that's probably the sport they've been most successful at in the last uh, several years. Um, so that's going to be an impact. So you're going to see basically if they're seniors, they're going to get, you know, basically take it as a redshirt year or whatever, take, you know, not you lose that year of eligibility. Um, but then, of course, the question becomes, you know, you've got other athletes that are graduating high school and coming in. You know, you've still got your recruiting class coming in. Um, so my understanding is that they're going to kind of 
have the scholarship limits be what they are, but then have basically the returning seniors who you know would have graduated last year, you know, don't count towards your scholarship limit. So we might see this bizarre season where teams have these incredibly deep stacked rosters because you're getting all your seniors back that you were expecting to graduate, but then still getting to take your full uh, recruiting class in. So I, I don't know that the details have all been ironed out yet. Um, so we'll see exactly what happens, but uh, for sure, I mean, and assuming that we don't even know yet, but it's assuming that all sports kind of start up normally, you know, the next uh, athletic season, once we get to those uh, spring sports it's going to be really a really a kind of bizarre once in a lifetime scenario to watch it play out and what also complicates things certainly for the coaches is you know the recruiting is being pushed back in a number of uh, sports too for this time of year so that, that kind of clouds it even more doesn't it yeah, that that uh, is going to cloud it. You know, the, the drafts of the various leagues that are not, you know, is the MLB draft because obviously that's a huge that has a huge say in whether guys come back or, or not. Is that going to proceed as planned? Uh, how is that going to potentially affect maybe the baseball rosters next year? There's just all kinds of uh, different things that we probably haven't even uh, considered yet. that are gonna, still going to make this even more complicated than we realize. I've got some football questions for you. But before we get there, I want to talk about any lab tests now. And if you're wondering how in the world can they help you? Well, here's how. Any Lab Test Now provides direct access lab testing that makes it easier for individuals to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Now, what does direct access mean? Very simply, it means you can just walk in any of their 15 Houston area locations, select which lab test you want completed, and you're in and out in as little as 15 minutes. They can either provide the doctor's order or accept your physician's order. So if you're uninsured or have high deductible insurance and are trying to manage your healthcare budget, take advantage of the many lab testing options that they have. And HSA and FSA are accepted. Most results ready in one to three business days and can be sent directly to your email, giving you the information you need to take control of your health. Check out their website, www.anylabtestnow.com. That's www.anylabtestnow.com. And I can tell you that I've used them. They're quick and convenient. I've had tons of experience getting lab work done and not one place was easier than any lab test now. Not one. All right, Dustin, we haven't caught up since the end of the football season. How did you feel when you heard about Derek King's transferring? Uh, I'll admit I was disappointed. He's uh, he's definitely been one of the most uh, or one of the many maybe electric playmakers that Houston has seen uh, in the, the last decade or so. And he was someone who's, uh, whose junior season obviously was about as much fun uh, to watch, you know, in terms of just one individual as Houston has seen. And Houston obviously has huge high standards at quarterbacks. We've seen guys like Greg Ward and Case Keenum come through the program uh, in recent years, in addition to the long-term history at, at that position. So, uh, but he, he earned his right to, uh, to be one of the really exciting U of H quarterbacks and uh, obviously didn't, uh, seemed to mesh with the Dana Holgerson offense this past year. And I, I never did anything come out, but it never kind of looked like he was physically right. And if it was just maybe he was just, you know, violently clashing with kind of what Holgerson wanted to do stylistically. Um, so definitely a loss. Um, but uh, at, on the larger picture, I mean, uh, Holgerson had been talking about having a, a quarterback competition. Certainly Clayton Toon was uh, the better quarterback at the position last year, you know, between Derek and, uh, and Clayton. Clayton played better. And he did so with at times a, a crumbling offensive line. Had other disadvantages that uh, the Derek didn't have so it is disappointing but ultimately it just means you know Houston won't have a quarterback competition coming into 2020 and uh, I'll still feel pretty good with what they do have at that position and uh, Clayton Toon and again don't want to act like I uh, don't wish Derek was coming back I do but if you do have to lose someone to transfer to lose someone with one year of eligibility left at a position that you have a pretty good player at already is kind of the uh, least damaging transfer that you can have so in the long-term picture it may be wasn't as disastrous as some people wanted to make it out to be. 
when it first came out that Derek was going to redshirt, there almost seemed to be this denial, you know, because the talk was going on then. Well, this must mean he's going to transfer. And it was almost like, you know, he and Coach Holgerson, the family, you know, all came out, as, as you probably would expect, saying, no, that's not the case. How much did you buy into that, Dustin? Yeah, it was really kind of strange just for the fact that, you know, right away the story came out sourced by, you know, directly quoting Derek's father saying he was going to transfer and then uh, Derek coming out and saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And it was it was just very strange the way it played out. If it just isn't all along was to transfer, I don't necessarily understand what the the charade was or uh, you know if 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 that wasn't the, if it wasn't the case that he was going to transfer all along you know why was his father giving quotes to the media that that was the case um so i don't know it's, it's a kind of a very strange situation but ultimately you know I, I think every houston fan always tends to have kind of you know is half expecting the worst possible thing to uh, to happen so as much as we tried to be kind of optimistic that Diego, oh yeah he went out and publicly stated that he wants to come back and wants to to play for houston next year that's great but as a houston fan you're always kind of like yeah but probably the worst case scenario is going to happen he'll probably leave so ultimately that did uh, end up happening Former five-star recruit and Bama transfer defensive lineman Yabi Anoma was dismissed from the program for team rules violation uh, this past month. It's a big loss, but there were red flags. Is that something that you sweated over too much when that when you found out about that? That one that one bummed me out more than Dr. King transferring. To be completely honest, just in terms of what I thought the future potential was uh, for that athlete and uh, and the, the extent to which Houston could use you know the program-changing type of uh, rush end that Ayabi Anoma was certainly heralded to be. That one was pretty disappointing, but uh, certainly anytime you take a transfer from another Division One school, I, I think even without looking into what it is that uh, that caused them to transfer, and certainly a lot of times there's you know student privacy issues, that stuff might not come out. You might not always know what it is, but I, I think if you just have a general worldview of if I get a Division One transfer in my mind, there's always that possibility that's not going to work out here either, and then that they're going to end up leaving, and uh, certainly we were, we were hoping to at least get to see him play a few games before that possible eventuality may have uh, played out but uh it didn't work out that way so whatever you know obviously whatever's going on with him i hope he gets his uh, his life right and all that but uh big, big loss for the cougars not to have the guy that dana holgerson called the most disruptive rush end he's ever uh, been around dustin what's your gut feeling on how the the cougar establishment looks at dana holgerson after this first year and i know you're not around the team on a daily basis but what would you say is their mindset now as opposed to a year ago, especially when you consider Tillman Fertitta is not exactly a patient guy. The the university president made some comments that were famously known of, <laughs> you know, eight and four. <laughs> but I mean, after one year, doesn't a bad coach make? But taking that in consideration, I mean, how do you think that they're viewing data now after this? What really was just a, a catastrophic first year, I felt. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of fans that are, that are definitely critical i think of uh, the way things things went for the first year i don't think there are too many people out there you know itching to make a move but i, I think dana holgerson is aware that there are very high standards around this program and you know the dr couture is famously not backed down from you know we fire coaches for eight and four and obviously that doesn't mean if you go eight and four one year or you know if, as houston did last year do considerably worse than eight and four for a single season uh, that you're going to get axed but it does mean that if you establish eight and four as the long-term kind of ceiling of your program that that's that's not going to cut it and it sh- frankly shouldn't cut it at the university of houston is i you know more advantage compared to just about any other uh, g5 school in the country i would argue so dana holgerson knows that there are you know very high standards here and the fact that Derek king left is not 
something that is going to inspire a lot of confidence in the fan base. But ultimately, you know, he's going to get to run the team out there this year. And I think that there's even without Anoma, there's a lot of reason to believe that a lot of the other transfers that are still part of this part of the program, knock on wood, that a lot of those guys could. Uh, and just the fact that every other defensive player returns, they lose almost nothing off of that unit. Um, and then it, hopefully on the offensive line, you don't get as catastrophically injured on the on the uh, the offensive line this time around. So I think there's a lot of reason to believe that Holgerson can kind of turn things around. And I think that the fan base is itching to believe they're itching to believe that he's the right guy and that all that money that we've spent on him is uh, the right decision. So I think if, uh, you know, he gets a good role or gets the team rolling to start the season, I think the fan base is going to uh, jump right on board. But uh, I think it's certainly at the time fair to say maybe some uh, guarded, uh, you know, criticality of the program from uh, from around the fan base at the pro- at the present moment. Dustin, your feel for new OC Shannon Dawson. What do you think about that? Yeah, it was kind of interesting uh, seeing that he, uh, you know, mixed things up. Dawson previously had been the OC at uh, Southern Miss, and kind of my understanding is that he, it didn't go super well. So I was a little bit surprised to see him take on that role. But uh, ultimately, I think we all know, you know, Dana Holgerson is going to be the primary you know, mind of the offense. And I think in every other offensive coach, which the vast majority of the staff returns uh, intact, I think all those guys are certainly going to have their input in the offense as well, just because, you know, one might be technically the coordinator or might, you know, get moved from this position coach to that position coach. I think all those guys are still going to have some input on the offense. So ultimately it was a little bit surprising at the time, but it wasn't so much so that it caused me to drastically rethink the way things are going to probably look this next year. How much are you into spring football? I mean, that's, you know, obviously off the table too, but uh, is that something that you put a lot of stock in each year? You know, I I honestly don't. It was something that for a while I I paid a lot of attention to it and I just failed to ever really see a direct correlation between when you'd see something in spring football and that having any impact on what was going to happen in the fall when it actually counted. So I kind of got out of the habit of uh, really paying much attention to it and just tend to focus on uh, the spring sports that are in season playing games that, uh, that count. How was recruiting season? Uh, recruiting season is, has been a little bit uh, disappointing. I think this year for the Cougars, if you're talking about the, the football program, they didn't sign a ton of uh, high school guys. And part of that was just not having a lot of seniors graduating because so many guys are uh, red shirting and they, they were going to run up against the, you know, the total number of player, uh, I think it's 85 scholarship limits that you can have. So they couldn't really sign a full uh, high school class. So it was kind of an incomplete after You know, they tried to piece together a class, you know, before the last season. So that's kind of an incomplete class. And then this is kind of by design an incomplete incomplete class because you have so few seniors uh, graduating from this past year's team. So uh, I I think it's been kind of a holding mode. And the I think 2020 uh, classes or the 2021 class rather is going to be the the first one where you can kind of say, okay, this is a full size class. You should be bringing in, you know, 20 plus high school players. You know, what kind of talent can you attract to this program that has kind of struggled to, uh, you know, gain traction in the last few years? You know, minus the, the pass rushing that we just talked about. How do you feel about the secondary going into next season and how much better they can get? Yeah, I think one of the really disastrous aspects of this past year's team was the fact that, you know, Houston had one uh, cornerback, Demarion Williams, I believe, but he he seemed like he was a lockdown corner and the other corner position was just a huge, huge sore spot all year. Houston did have a a cornerback grad transfer from UCLA who they were expecting to play the other corner spot and he got injured, unfortunately, uh, in the preseason. But they got a couple of uh, D1 transfers have been sitting out. Marcus Jones from Troy, who was an all uh, Sunbelt performer for Troy. And then uh, Kelvin Clemens was another uh, cornerback who's a, a pretty good Juco get that uh, had a lot of other offers 
transfers that uh, is coming in. So they definitely got a, a lot more options at the cornerback position, and I'm you know at least confident that if nothing else, uh, they won't uh, they won't just they won't be such a glaring weakness as it was this past year. Um, they'll have somebody there that will be you know ca- at least semi capable, whereas that just wasn't the case to be completely frank for the most of the rest of this past year. And if you look at the safety position with some of the guys that they got coming in and everyone coming back, the safety position looks pretty pretty well stocked even in uh, kind of a four two five uh, defense where you've probably got three safeties on the field most of the time. Houston's got uh, just a bunch of guys at that position coming back. So uh, definitely, I think the secondary, which was often kind of a, a weak spot this year, could end up being a, a significant strength next year for the Cougars. How would you grade Coach Holgerson's offseason at this point? I don't know. I guess like maybe a B minus. Just losing Derek King obviously hurts. But other than that, you know, no real complaints. Uh, I, I think for the most part, it seems like the, the majority of the team is coming back intact. And obviously, I had man, Anoma obviously hurts too. But uh, I still think that there's enough guys coming back. And I think he's going to have the confidence of the team, even as the fashionable thing is going to be to criticize Houston coming into next year. I think that they're going to wear that uh, as a chip on the shoulder. And I think Dana Holgerson, that, that plays well into his personality if a lot of people are kind of uh, – talking down on Houston. So I think he's going to be quietly confident. I think he's got more talent coming back than people probably realize for next year. So I don't know, I guess B minus, even though uh, losing a couple of players that you thought could have been impact players certainly isn't uh, what you want to see happen. What are you guys going to do for the next few months? (laughs) 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 That's a great question. So every summer we do plan on having some off season content. We're pretty proud of the fact that in three and a half years, we've taken I think one calendar week off where we didn't have at least one episode. So we do have, we do have some ideas. There's a lot of stuff we like to talk about even in the off season, but we had maybe like two and a half to three months worth of off season content in mind, not like five and a half to six months. And we weren't prepared to begin that off season content now. So uh, that's been very up in the air. We've got, uh, we've got a couple ideas for some stuff that we want to roll out over the summer. Um, if you listen to us last year, we did a uh, tournament of college trivia where we had a bunch of, uh, you know, other podcasters and Twitter interactors do an online or, a, you know, a live quiz show, basically, where we would, uh, you know, quiz them. That was a lot of fun. So we're going to do that again. What we're going to do in the near future as we kind of finish all those ideas that we thought we had some more time for, that is a great question. If you've got any ideas, uh, we're taking pitches currently. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting back to the trivia contest, I, I that was really awesome. I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it for another reason, just because many years ago I was a sports director at a radio station, and I did that once. And let me tell you, it's harder than it appears. When you start having to put all those questions together for a multitude of rounds, like what you guys did and what I did, it's a lot harder than it seems when it's in your head, isn't it? It really is. It was incredibly challenging. Um, I was re- eternally embarrassed that one of the uh, one of our questions, it was a final round category, and it was you had to name all the USC quarterbacks that have been drafted in the last however many years. And one of our contestants said John David Booty, and we for some reason didn't have him on the list, and he he should have been on the list. So we incorrectly marked him wrong, and he let us know after the game. He's like, yo, I was down by enough. It wasn't going to matter. Uh, but man, if I tell you, just you would not believe how many times I've just been like kicking myself. You idiot! You, how did you miss John David Booty? How was he not on the list? So, uh, and then had the uh, the ultimate podcasters nightmare. We uh, we recorded an entire trivia game and uh, then realized our recorder hadn't been running the whole time. So. It was definitely a challenge getting everything uh, done the first season, but still had just a ton of fun with it. And hopefully we'll be a little bit more prepared and uh, iron some of those things out for uh, year number two. Usually you never forget a good booty. So I, I, don't, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, it's uh, the, the Scott Holman podcast at SH podcast with uh, P-A-W-D. Uh, remember, it's Paul at Cougar Paw. Great to have you with us. And uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been fun as always.
All right, we're going to keep going this week. We're, we're going to have shows. There, there's stuff going on in sports, definitely stuff going on with the Texans for sure. We're going to get to that uh, as the week progresses. And before we close the show, just a quick reminder that we're brought to you by any lab test now. They're the quick and easy way to get direct access lab testing when you're trying to manage your healthcare budget. You've got 15 Houston area locations to choose from. Check out their website, www.anylabtestnow.com. That's www.anylabtestnow.com. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.